Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. T with HB is for everyone who dreams of a better world. Together, let's brew a new reality. Accessibility, the quality of being able to be entered, the quality of being easy to use, the quality of being easily understood. Access has many different meanings and that's why it comes in many different forms. A website can be as inaccessible as a building and for disabled people, this affects their everyday life. I am delighted to welcome Cassie Herschel Shawland, an inclusive design consultant, to Tea with HB today to talk all about access. This is one of my favourite episodes because I learnt so much from Cassie, and there's a lot I didn't consider when thinking about access. Accessibility goes way beyond buildings and entrances. We talk about systems, attitudes, and neurological and sensory needs, as well as physical access needs. If you'd like to hear more, you can find a bonus episode with Cassie over on my Patreon, where you can also gain early access to the podcast and other exclusive fun content. Since we're talking about some quite frustrating things this episode, I recommend a calming cup of jasmine tea. Hello, Cassie, and welcome to Tea with HB. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and where your passion for accessibility came from? Yes, I'm an inclusive design consultant. And those are words that if you say them at a dinner party, people just look at you and say, how interesting. (laughs) But um, (laughs) it also, how I explain it varies every day, depending on what project I'm working on and um, depending on um, perhaps the the experiences of that day, that week. But generally it is about um, inclusive practice. My specialism is access to the arts and heritage. And that's really that is also my my passion and my interest. I love the arts, I always have, um, and I just want everyone to enjoy it and be a part of it too. One thing you might need to do is keep me on track. I'm a a bit sort of dyslexic and and distracted, so I I lose track. And actually that is something which also feeds into my interest. I've only realised through perhaps the inclusive design practice how the thing that I find is the biggest barrier is the words and the fact that we most of our communication is about words and written words so for me with my work in in inclusive design in museums galleries it's as much about cognitive or intellectual access sensory access as it is about the physical access and that works really well with my exhibition design practice I'm really glad you said that because it's really important to note that accessibility is not just about the physical just as disability does not only apply to the physical yeah it's also partly what enriches the all that museums or galleries have to offer 
it is multisensory. It's about, even if you think about colour as energy, the colour in art, um, the heritage environment, access to the heritage, whether it's built heritage or it's natural heritage. Oh. That's all about uh, people and their, um, their history and really what it's people's environment yeah. and the ways you, you work on access to it. It's almost impossible to separate out physical, sensory and yeah. cognitive. They shouldn't be separated. They connect each other and affect each other. So. so much of my career is about what exactly. I wasn't taught in school. So, for example, um, the even when I was um, doing the course with 3D design, we were it was all about environments and designing spaces. There was nothing about people. That's so interesting. And I love that here's sign language again. The um, sign for inclusion is all is very much about the space and including people. It's it's almost my my career has come about what I wanting to know what I didn't know, which was when working as a designer, finding out working with deaf and disabled people on a museum development project because exhibition design is my major discipline since college, and realizing how much I didn't know about designing, but I'd just fairly recently been to college and yeah. supposedly done a degree in what's exactly. now called interior architecture. You never stop learning. That's a process that always happens. But also the the reason I'm not at university is because I feel like I'm learning more by writing these episodes and looking up the neuroscience even behind how our minds work. Well, that's almost a, a postgraduate approach to learning. In the, in the school system, and this is having done a you know, postgrad and MA, Yes, in school, there's absolutely no sort of sense or working with the neurodiversity. It's, it's, yeah. you're, you fit the box or not. Exactly. And if you don't fix exactly. the box, there's some spectrum that you're apparently a part of, which isn't actually yeah. within the box or... No. Actually, every single person is on a spectrum. Whether it's a mindset or a sexuality or a whatever, everybody, everything in the world is a spectrum. It is, and I think it's wonderful that right now we have um, so many rainbows around as a result. Yes. I don't know if you're aware that uh, you know, windows are being filled with rainbows and I'll be using it on colour, healing colours in an art oh. environment course. I'll just one-off course I'm doing soon. That's really cool. The later part of my career, from moving from design into more about inclusive design, even in that journey, when I first started working in inclusive design, um, moving from an exhibition design position to work for the Centre for Accessible Environments, I it was all about physicality. It was um, a field dominated by architects, uh, very much trained in the sort of physical building of the environment. Whereas only in 2018, did the British standard on access to the built environment start to actually use terms like neurodiversity, sensory design, um, terms like design for the mind are just beginning. They've been there for, you know, since... um, Yeah, it's not like these problems didn't exist. They've existed since the beginning of time. Exactly, it's the basis for practices like yoga, um, the environmental awareness of different cultures through, through, through years. But it's about 
how we are applying it to now, which the British standards are about how yeah. we design our environments now. And it's yeah. literally just beginning to come in, which in the professional yeah. supposedly, it's that norm word, isn't it? But how we are expected to design environments that the, pract- the profession thinks people want. And inclusive design yeah. is this sort of little add-on rather than the starting point yeah and it should be the starting point my mother is in interior design and she did an interior design degree so i've always been interested in architecture and colors and furniture and all these things but it it wasn't until i started showing symptoms and actually finding it difficult to access places that i actually thought hang on why aren't we designing for because if you design for the people who aren't included then you're designing for everyone. You, you really don't realise until you're in a wheelchair for a day how much of a huge impact it makes on just getting about. Like the lips, the lips of pavements can, you know, make me ill for a week because I'll get pushed over a, a, a rocky cobblestone or something and my hip will sublux. And, and you just, if you're walking and you've never been in a wheelchair, you have no idea that people even experience that. And even now, there are still restaurants where there aren't disabled loos and you ring up and you say, oh, are you an accessible restaurant? And they say, oh yes, there's only one step to get in. And it that's not good enough. That's not accessible. But if you drill down, actually, that is what you're, you've just described about the restaurateur or that architect or exhibition designer. It's their viewpoint and it's their lived experience viewpoint. Not necessarily the sort of wide holistic educational viewpoint of understanding. And it applies to so many things, you know, games being designed by adults rather than kids, for example. Adults are designing games for kids when actually the kids should be designing the games for the kids because that would work a lot better because they know what they want. And it's the same thing. I think I'm lucky working mostly in the heritage sector and museum sector because I think they're... It is actually a bit more ahead of that in that the way in which they work is about asking people, questioning. And I think that's partly because they've got some really creative learning teams who actually know the importance of working with and letting the kids design something. And and recognising what you're saying about you don't know the barriers or you don't realise what is a barrier till you experience it. Yeah. It's it's not about ignorance. It's not like people people might want to know. It's something that they just don't even think that they don't know. <laughs> right? It's it's something if you don't experience it firsthand or if you don't know someone who has experienced it, you it just doesn't enter your sphere. No. Or you feel it's about you and you're the yeah. problem rather than being the social model of disability where the problem is in that step Mm. or it is in... Mm. But equally, the social model applies to when um, it's about other aspects of neurodiversity, about we all communicate in different ways. So it comes back to that sign language. I thought I was stupid when I was little, but now I realise there were were all sorts of other reasons why I didn't... Because I learn in pictures. Um, yes, I, exactly. I need I need visual is, and 3D. I, yeah. I can't the, learn with words. The education system. The education system is inaccessible for everybody, because it is a one size fits all system, and it's not just 
physical ability, it's not just whether you can physically attend the classes, it's also if you're neurodiverse or if you have a chronic illness where you are sensitive to certain sounds or certain lighting, then some schools can be a really difficult place to go just because of the noise. Um, and there is, we know that there are so many different types of learning hmm. and it's the fact that every exam, even for creative subjects like art, has this category of writing alongside it. In order to take art as a subject, you are also expected to complete a written exam. And that's, that's just not necessary. Or it shouldn't be, in my opinion. No, you're right. But it's also typified if you go to any art gallery that has a picture and then a label by it. So that, I think that sort of why, sums why, it up. Yeah. And why not a, you know, a flip book telling the story? because people going to galleries like the visual. I mean, it, it, yeah. it always, um, I was lucky enough to work with, at Tate Britain at one point as their um, oh, wow. access officer. And that was bringing together, it was all those aspects of um, being about the people, the environment and the, the access to arts. So, you know, it was in a wonderful place for me, but what was also always amazed me was like many museums, galleries, so I'm not pointing a finger, but there is, it's again things in different boxes where you have the education team doing who might be making flip books yeah. as you suggest great yeah. idea um who are separate to the um curatorial rather than being very much the same they're they are about the yeah. same thing they're about access to the art they're about yeah. different ways of I'm... giving people the experience of the art and their own allowing them and, and themselves interpreting it rather than being the you know, the, the different, the high academic and the other. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's about but getting them together. You find the same thing in healthcare, where I have spent a decade in the National Health Service actually not having anything beneficial done to me, majorly because you are looking at the body and you separate it into categories. And rather than having a team of doctors for one body who specialise in different things and work together, you have completely different departments that don't even talk to each other so you've got mental health over here and that's not really looked at and then you've got the joints and then there's the gut the body's just not looked at as a whole <laughs> i think the, the the system needs you to do some joining up with it which is where the arts and health it's still it's talked about but it's not yet not yet joined up enough um the exhibition at the science museum that goodness if if you were this connection was two years ago, it would have been great to involve you, but you might be interested in it still. It's the new medicine gallery there, which is looking at the history of science of medicine. Within it, there are some little mini projects, and one of them was, um, that I was lucky enough to be involved in, was questioning who is interpreting the science of medicine. Whose view is it? Yes. Who, is, who is deciding on what the norm yeah. is? The fact that for years and years it's been men writing the history books. Very much so. And it's been a male gaze. And from my point of view it's quite interesting because I was in a slightly different role. Yeah. In my inclusive design work I'm generally working with a team I've brought together of... Um, between us we have different experiences in terms of professions in design but also in lived experience of disability. And I'm often the one who's facilitating the meetings, whereas this was myself being part of a panel being facilitated by the, the um, person bringing that project together in enabling the questioning and the viewpoints. And it ranged from the questioning the norm to views on labelling, 
to interrelationships within family, the different experiences. So it might be within a family of mother, daughter, brother, sister, experiences of the impact of medicine on and the different viewpoints. So it's yeah. the stories are in there and um, I'm not sure how much is online at the moment. But it's an ongoing, yeah. I think it's an ongoing conversation. I'd love to look into that. That sounds really fascinating. And it does, it does affect, affect you. I feel like there's a certain level of privilege in who you are that you might not realise, a privilege that goes unseen. And you don't, again, it's, it's not because you're ignorant. It's just because you don't know to find out. Um, and it is a fault of the education system and a fault of society rather than the individual, I think. But mm. being a woman in the health service, last year I started having um, seizures before my A-levels. And the doctor I saw said, oh, you're a teenage girl, you're going through exams, you know, you're stressed out. If my mum rings up the hospital... She won't get through to anyone. The secretaries will pass her around. If my dad rings up, he'll get straight through to a doctor. And this isn't a coincidence. This isn't a fluke. This is 10 years worth of anecdotal evidence that sexism very much exists and that a man can be privileged without even knowing it, even if he hasn't been sexist himself, you know? So the gaze and the point of view, the perspective really does matter. Yes, yeah. Very interesting, and yes, the um, thankfully now uh, I think I understand that um, arts and humanities and um, is part of most uh, the medical practitioner undergrad course, or at least yeah. the, the postgrad. Thankfully, well, but I'm not I sure mean, how even, far it's going. <laughs> yeah, but even um, something like nutrition has only recently been added to the course or been studied properly which again is just ridiculous because it's as much a part of healthcare as as anything else much a part of living central i would imagine <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show cassie it's been a really wonderful and enlightening conversation so thank you it has for me too holly thank you so much thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode please leave a review on itunes and find me on patreon instagram and youtube at tea with hb are you still here Wow, that is so nice. You know, you seem like the kind of person who would love to sign up for my newsletter on www.twithhb.com. Next week's episode is all about insecurity in ourselves and within our systems. Here's a preview with my friend Clover. <laughs> oh, Blossom. I didn't mean to make you cry. <laughs> 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.